we'll talk about the, like the general population person coming in that wants to become healthier, um, just fitter, have more energy, those sorts of things. A lot of the, we talked about this before already, but like the message that they, that they get is that they need to do all these, these extravagant um, things in order to reach their goals. Like for instance, they need to do meal timing. They need to get their protein shaken after the workout. They need to take 10 different supplements. They need to work out five days a week. They need to do spin. They need to do yoga. They need to do mobility drills. Whereas in fact, with a lot of people, it's you can make a lot of progress simply from, actually this is what I recommend to people is let's get really good at the basics. And the basics for me are strength training two times per week, progressing on those exercises that we're performing and making sure that we're getting in at least, well, obviously not, doesn't have to start at this, but the goal of reaching 10,000 steps per day. Um, those are kind of like the two big pillars that I have for people. That's going to make a tremendous difference in how they feel and how they move their body composition. Um, so biggest message message for people is make sure that you're, you're going for these low hanging fruit. Welcome to the Performance Therapy Institute podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cameron Pulse, physical therapist and personal trainer at Performance Therapy Institute in Bangor, Maine. In this podcast, I interview health and wellness professionals that love what they do, or really anyone else that is interesting to me. We find out the how and the why they do what they do at work, how they continue to learn, and some information they feel would be helpful for you to improve your own health. In this episode, I have the pleasure of chatting with Matt Flynn, personal trainer at Endure Health and Performance Fitness and a bodybuilder coach at Flynn Physique Enhancement. Matt is a super smart guy with a fascinating fitness background, once an ultra marathoner, now a bodybuilder. In this conversation, we go over tons of great tips for changing your health and physique right now. Matt, thanks for doing this episode, and I hope everyone enjoys. Right. So today with me, I am super excited. I got my man, Matt Flynn. Uh, and Matt, you're up in Calgary, right? Yeah. Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Yeah. So just, just finished the stampede. <laughs> just finished. So. Uh, so Matt is to, to me is a super like, I'm just super curious to hear more about you. Um, cause even our first conversation we had on the phone when, when we connected before we, uh, you know, did a session online together and, uh, you're talking about how I used to be like an ultra marathon runner. And then now seeing your progress as a bodybuilder, um, uh, is just, I'm, I, this whole time I've always been like, wait, what? Uh, so I just wanted to hear more about it. And then, and then you just yeah. have such like a warm presence, even as you're like DMing or texting, and, uh, and, and, and the information that you put out on social media, on Instagram and stuff is, is just, it's just cool. It's, it's, it's warming to see it's nice. It's informative. Um, and it sort of gives, I think shines a, a, a different light than what is often to be seen on, on social media with, with bodybuilding. Um, so I'm, I have quite a few different questions for you. Um, but I also have, uh, sort of, a a, a soft spot in my, my heart for you. Cause you're sort of the first, the first stranger that trusted <laughs> me 
with 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 at least one session of, of your time and your energy and your health uh to to do to to work with me and and I and you you made it so fun and comfortable for me that I was like oh this is cool like uh I like this I I, I could do more of this um well I wasn't aware of that but that's cool yeah so I I'm sort of I'm sort of breaking that breaking that open right now so now you can go back and be like oh i definitely wouldn't have done that again if i knew that those fans first <laughs> yeah uh, i mean i worked with other people like but mo- they're already like people i had i had known from the past uh yeah. but in terms of like hey the whole like i'm gonna i'm gonna get to know you like we're gonna do this thing um yeah it was awesome man. it's funny because like i felt like i knew you based on the information that i had that i saw like through through bill uh, particularly the the Q and A's that you did with him. So like, and I'd watch the coaches and coffee calls, and like you'd always be on there. So like, I felt like we had a little bit of a relationship prior to us working together. But that's yeah. why it was a lot easier just to reach out to you and be like, hey man, do you mind giving me a hand with some stuff? Yeah, yeah, and I think that's kind of the beauty of of the internet. I was just talking about some earlier today, where it's to be honest, a lot of my online clients seem, I won't say like get get better faster, but there's a little bit more of like, you already have sort of an expectation coming into it. If you find, if you find someone on the internet, you're like, ah, sort of like I, I reached out to this person for a reason. And that's sort of what I'm expecting. Um, as opposed to like in, in my community, if someone comes to work with me and they've never once seen anything that I've ever done. Yeah. Um, it might just be, it might just be dumb open up the phone book or a quick Google search and just picking the first person on the list kind of thing. Whereas, yeah, like I learned about you prior and I had, I knew what I wanted and I was willing to put in the work to, to acquire whatever outcome I was going for. So, yeah. And I think that's the other thing with sort of online work. That's sort of fun. Cause it's like, people seem to have to already have a, uh, a sort of, um, a, a sort of confidence that a, they can operate the technology and then B that they have confidence in themselves to like execute the plan. Mm-hmm. you know and they, and they also have like a little bit of a bias towards whoever that they're seeking towards so yeah. if they if they're seeking out that person they're more likely to actually build have a stronger belief in what the practitioner is giving them to do so yeah and have some excitement about it yeah, so yeah man i've got i just remember our first phone call and and you you, you were you're telling me how you had made this transition uh where you used to do used to be like a like an ultra ultra runner an ultra marathon runner so Mm -hmm. like what type of let's just talk about what type of distances were you doing so when i first i'll just kind of go back in time a little bit so when i was in high school i would just my mom was kind of into running she started doing half marathons and then that eventually led to to full marathons and ultra marathons so at that time i kind of saw she was doing it i got interested in running as well and I would just go out for a run. I wouldn't like track the distance per se. I would just go out and just run a loop around around the small town that I lived in. And over time, that like slowly progressed to the point where I was doing 10Ks, half marathons, full marathons. And then the longest run that I did was in uh, 2017. I believe it was 2017. I ran an 80 mile mountain race in a, a small town called Grand Cache in northern alberta so it was like in the mountains very mountainous and like lots of hills and descents and just different types of terrain and 
um, that's where I kind of excelled in the ultra marathon world. I had like a, a pretty good hiking background. Mm-hmm. And with a lot of those races, you just need to be really good at hiking and uh, power, power walking, hiking. And then obviously there's some running as well, but that's kind of the longest run that I did. And my preferred race was the mountainous kind of terrain. You liked that? I did because I like the things I'm good at. And whereas the flat running, I wasn't as I didn't excel at that as much yeah. compared to a lot of the other ultra runners that were coming from a college track background where they've they've done the 5k the 10k they were very fast on flat and they had they had a lot of volume they were able to withstand a lot of training volume whereas I didn't have that same amount of um, I guess volume background as they did so I had to find other ways to kind of try to compete with these people yeah I mean plus just the little bit of I mean, I, I, I know that the training and the activities you're into now are different, but just having a little bit of, of, of the privilege of being able to work with you for, for a little bit, you're not, you don't really have the skeletal structure to be like, to be a fantastic sort of flat ground runner anyway. So I could see you just crushing hills on people you know, <laughs> to, to put in that power or put into the ground, to, you know, to get up a little bit faster than them. Yeah, hundred percent. And the thing too, back then when I was doing ultra running, I was, so I'm a lankier, longer individual. I'm six, three, but when I was running, I was a hundred and some, some races I was between 165 and 170 pounds. So um, I could just like, I felt like a feather flying up those mountains. Now I was now where I'm 230. I, I struggle to do some, just going upstairs obviously i'm not struggling but you know what i mean i know what you mean did you have the beard when you were running the beard yeah there's a times like i'm i'm not one to like have something for like years at a time yeah. um, my beard grows fairly quickly so there's there's periods when i was shaving other times where i just grew the beard out it wasn't like it was more like i just felt like growing out a beard so i did it there's no actual reason behind it it's just an impressive beard, man. Just, you know, for anyone that's listening to this, they can't see it. It's, it's pretty epic. It's pretty epic. Thank you. It's funny. Cause I'd like maybe three or four weeks ago, I went to the barber and he trimmed it up and like got it pretty short, but like, it just, it grows like a weed. So Dude, um, that's intense. <laughs> so like, do you, so, I mean, so you're doing, I'm, cause I, I've met quite a, a few other people that have done like really, that have really been, in, been in to running and especially like distances more, more than a marathon. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, and it, this is just sort of a stereotype of few that I know, but it seems like they have like one personality or the other. They're either like ridiculously energetic and bubbly, or they're like just super laid back. And just like, mm-hmm. so you, you kind of take me as that super laid back one, even though that's not, that's clearly not how you I, I take your exercise. I would agree. Like laid back, I guess, just personality wise. Yeah. But like, I think I have a little bit more spunk and energy when I'm kind of engaged in training, running, uh, yeah. more physical, physical based activity. So I think, I think I express that just differently than other people do. How, how did your body feel when you were running? Like, like, what, what was there, like, so, did you always sort of feel like, oh yeah, like I, I just feel good all the time. <laughs> no, with the running, it was, there was always something going on, always working around and one injury or another, whether that was uh, like a adductor strain or a broken metatarsal or a shoulder, it was 
throughout the entire process, there was there was always something bothering me. And that's the kind of the main reason why I ended up uh, stepping away from the endurance world, just because I was always being plagued with injuries. And I knew if I wanted to take it to the next level, I needed to be able to do more training volume. But my body was just not, it was breaking down at the current level that I was training at. So, um, yeah, so it definitely didn't feel good. But at the same time, like, um, I worked with physiotherapists. I, I had a good massage therapist. I did things that uh, definitely took, um, ameliorated some of those issues that I was facing. And I was able to work around it. Like, um, it wasn't an issue for me in the looking back. It's not something that I would regret doing. Oh, like in, ter- in terms of like sort of being able to manage those those uh those injuries at, as you were training yeah like uh, for instance like uh, maybe someone if they were like a, a competitive power lifter and they were mm-hmm. say they had a back squat of a thousand pounds and like they ended up having to get like hip replacements and they look back in time they're like maybe i shouldn't have done that like it's not worth the pain that i'm experiencing now yeah. the mobility that i'm facing like i did never never had like any feelings like that but there's definitely a lot of frustration but um, i think with all sports um there's there's obstacles that you face it's not always smooth sailing um and i think that's it's for some people they do have a smooth sailing and that's that's the main goal i think with athletics is just to like to for everything to align up so you can have the perfect performance but just with um when you're kind of pushing the the metal pushing sort of the pedal and kind of trying to try trying to push yourself to your physical limits, there's going to, you're going to run into issues at one point or another. And it's just, for me, it's been, it's been extremely valuable just as more as a learning experience for the people that I, that I coach as a personal trainer and I'm starting to work with more powerlifters and bodybuilders now. So that I have like a little bit of empathy with, with them for what they're experiencing. So, yeah, I, because I've, still have other questions about your, your running and training and the, and then before we even get to the lifting, but like for your, your business now, what did you, cause you've been a personal trainer for how long now? So uh, not very long. I started kind of officially in the year 2018. Yeah. I finished, I finished my kinesiology degree uh, the spring of 2018. And then in the fall, I kind of got a, my first real personal training job where I was working with people one-on-one and in small groups and whatnot. Yeah. What, what were you doing before that? So I, when I graduated from high school, actually, I went to a, a trade school. It's called mm-hmm. SAIT, Southern okay. Alberta Institute of Technology. And I got a diploma in instrumentation engineering. So okay. I, I worked at an oil and gas plant um, as a process technologist for Shell um, for four or five years. And in the, in the background of my mind, I always wanted to do something more kind of health related mm-hmm. uh, kind of the, the big driver at that time to get to make the switch over to personal training was all a lot of the injuries that I was facing I was working with a lot of different practitioners I'm like this is something that I would like to do for other people and I think that's just kind of a similar trend that I hear among people in our industry that's something they kind of get into it become interested in it yeah yeah for sure so yeah so and the your so at the moment when you're training is it do you only have uh in-person clients or do you do online or like what's what's sort of the the clientele sort of the business model that you have so i have the the endure health and performance and that was the first business that i created and that's more of my in-person okay. um training model and that's where i work primarily with general population individuals mm-hmm. 
then more recently, I kind of developed a kind of a side business, which is the Flynn Physique Enhancement. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and that's going to be more geared towards uh, people with more hypertrophy-based goals. Okay. Yeah, I mean, especially now that you've like put yourself through it at this point. Yeah, definitely. I have some experience. It's not to say that I know everything, um, but I do. I do have a little bit of skin in the game in terms of putting on mass. I, and I'm not. I'm not the most genetically gifted in terms of building muscle. And then I think with that comes just you, you end up having to learn a lot more than the person who's just genetically blessed and whatever whatever they do works for them so i mean because i also see your your posts like and so uh, this is this is something that i feel like there's can some and and i like to hear your thoughts on it where there's there's so much information out there and often the the easiest and most accessible sort of programs that people can get, especially on like the internet is a lot of people that, that are, are bodybuilders and they'll put like their programs, either, you know, write articles, uh, and magazines and and whatnot. And so I remember my first introduction is, I don't know about you, but I think for, for a lot of this, um, is, you know, was like men's health or, you know, bodybuilding magazine or something where that's like, you know, it's just like, here's a program and literally like you just sort of do it, you know, and, yeah, and, and see what like, happens. Yeah. I did the same exact same thing when I was in high school, mm-hmm. get the pro the programs like a chest day. And it's like every single chest exercise under, under the sun, mm-hmm. uh, four sets of 10 to 15 reps. And it's just, that's your chest day. And then the back days is exact same thing. And then over time you, you find out that this isn't really working for you. So you start to like, cause you, you care about your progress and you want to make gains so you yeah. start to investigate a little bit further and you you learn a bit more and maybe you try things out next thing you know like you're getting you're kind of heading in the right direction for yourself yeah yeah and i think uh probably one of the things that i'll often discuss with with other therapists or, or even people that start coming into um start getting introduced and in, into like fitness is that sort of the idea of like high that hypertrophy and 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 larger muscles is like it, it is because it's sort of a bell curve right like you, you and i sort of know that like there's a certain point at which strength training for performance if you're trying to do something like run long distances or if you're trying to like be a soccer or football player whichever part of the world you're in when you're listening to this like there's a certain point at which like muscle mass itself, like in terms of like hi- hypertrophy training in of itself, like it, it sort of hits a plateau with the outcome of the performance at which the skill you're trying to do. Um, and the other so thing is, is, is I don't think, right? what's that? You, you can only, obviously like you need a little bit of tissue for in, in the example you provided football or yeah. soccer but like you get to a point where it becomes counterproductive to your performance yeah and uh and and i think on on the other hand is i i don't like i know that you have to do so many things in terms of your lifestyle outside of the gym to like see the progress that that you've made in the short amount of time that you've been sort of made this change towards hypertrophy or larger muscle goals. And I don't think a lot of people are aware of like the things that like you're physically going through 
physically, mentally, and then the lifestyle that you've had, like the schedule that you've had to develop yourself to like meet those goals. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was wondering if you could touch a little bit about like what, like when, when you go to like, like maybe where you are right now, cause I know you've been like adding stuff as you, as you're learning more and as you hit plateaus, you're like, well, how do I get past this? I'm sure. Like, how do I sort mm-hmm. of, you know, go to that next level? So like, yeah, you know, like, what is it like? what are the sort of the pieces of the puzzle inside the gym and then outside the gym to sort of get like get to where you are now yeah so obviously the the big thing as you know and probably most of your listeners know is the training right just like consistent relentless uh, progression um we can talk about a little bit more about like the specific specifics of that later but the the biggest the biggest kind of time sucker, the, the biggest um, biggest requirement out, is outside the gym. So you're, you have to really be dialing in all the lifestyle factors like you mentioned, um, particularly the, the nutrition, especially for growing the body. It doesn't like putting on muscles. You need to be, you need to be providing it with the adequate uh, calorie amounts to actually grow. Um, you got to think about things like sleep, like without the, the, the adequate amount of sleep, you're not, it's going to be a, a lot harder to put on muscle just because your body isn't recovering. Um, you're not going to be progressing with the weights and whatnot. Um, but it's, yeah, bodybuilding in, in of, its, of itself is kind of a very uh, 24-7 kind of endeavor. It's, it's not like other sports where you can just like go to practice or go to the game and once it's over, um, you don't have to think about it. Bodybuilding's like, it's always in the back of my mind. It's the only thing I'm really thinking of and I'm planning my life around the bodybuilding. And it's not, it's not like it's right now it's, there's no option to not do it. It's just like, it's just part of my schedule. And it's just, that's that's the way it is. Like, like, would you say, like, if you're to look at your schedule, it's like, like you, cause you have to get those training sessions and you have to get those calories in. And at the same time, you're like, I have to sleep because otherwise my training session the next day is not going to be, or for the rest of the week will not be ideal. Yeah. So So I'm I'm sacrificing other aspects of my life to meet those prerequisites for bodybuilding. So I'm putting in a way I'm putting bodybuilding in front of relationships in front of career. um, Just to, it's not to say that I'm not focusing on those things. And when I'm doing them, I'm putting all the effort that I can into them, but Mm -hmm in order to grow and put on muscle that has to almost be at the forefront to get the to maximize your your results um and that's not to say someone can't build muscle with having bodybuilding as a secondary or tertiary goal it's just they're not going to be competitive um in in bodybuilding yeah and if unless, anyone unless you're a genetic freak true yeah for for anyone that's that's uh if they haven't if they're not already following matt on instagram on either um uh, indoor fitness or the uh or the flynn physique mm-hmm. uh pages yeah I'll, we'll, we'll put i'll put those links in the in the show notes anyway for the podcast because it's um i don't know i guess that's the other one of the reasons i i really like i like following you and and just interacting with you is 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 you sort of look at it from this like whole like systemic sort of holistic sort of point of view being like hey this is my goal and this is a value to me 
But then at least when I see you, like when you post videos of you working with your clients, it's not like, it's like you, you're taking in what is of value to them as opposed to a lot of stuff that's sort of put, that's put on the internet is like, if you're not grinding every day, you're like wasting your life. And it's like, <laughs> well, <laughs> it, yeah, you, you know, so, so it's tough when I sort of, if I'm trying to like, you know, like, so if the, the niche of group I'm trying to work with now are, are gamers and they're, and they're like, well, no, I've got to be, you know, if I'm working out, I got to be grinding, you know, I got to be eating the super strict diet. And it's like, well, no, it depends. Like, like what, what, what is your goal? Is your goal, you know, is your goal to be like Matt? Like, th- yeah, you're right. That is what it is. Right. I don't, but that doesn't mean, that means gaming. It cannot be your primary goal. If that's something you want to progress on, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it's going to be a, a supplement to help you with, you know, w- with your performance and your health and, and other standards. So, I, I, I just, I, I like the way you propose it. It's cool how you see how it seems like you work with your clients, um, where you're like, it seems like you're really, really good at listening to where they're coming from and what is they want. And you're not trying to, it doesn't seem like you're trying to like impose your will of get, get jacked and big, which is cool that now you have this sort of second endeavor. That's like people that are like, no, I want to get big. Are you excited about that? Yeah, hundred percent. Like I, yeah, I love working with the general population of people, and like you said, I like to meet them where they are. Uh-huh. Their goal is not to do what I do. Their life, their goal is to actually have the training improve their other aspects of life. But with the the physique enhan- uh, Flynn physique enhancement, yeah, I want to work with people that are more similar to me and that have actually like big goals in terms of putting on muscle and maybe competing in bodybuilding. Yeah. So yeah, I don't like. I think a lot of that's a, like we talked about earlier, you mentioned the social media thing. A lot of people see these messages, messages from people like myself, people who are really like in love with lifting. Like it's the only thing that they think about mm. and they try to push that on other people thinking and thinking that that's what, what they need to do to, to kind of succeed health wise, physique wise, but that's just not, it's not the reality. Yeah. Can you, how, how does your body feel now? I'm in a really good spot right now. I'd say, um, so I've, like I talked about before many injuries, but yeah. I feel probably the better, the best I have in, in the last, um, three to five years, I'd say now. And that's just from learning from people like you yeah. learning from people like Ben Yanes, uh, cast them from N one. So definitely I'm feeling good. I feel healthy, still some niggles here and there, but it's just, I think a little bit of kind of stuff that's kind of been carried forward from prior injuries. Plus, I mean, like you're, you're, you're pushing your body to its, to its limits, which means you have to, right? Like it's so, so that's, I, I guess that's the other thing too, right? Is like in order for you to do what you're doing, to be, to get the results that you're looking for and to, and to just give the answer that you did, like, I just, I just want people to know, like, that's no easy task. Which, which, refer, which answer you're referring to? Sorry. In terms of like, like you said, your body feels better than it has in like three to five years. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. just cause like the, the amount of recovery time and, and not only that, but the amount of time you have to spend doing boring friggin' stuff. Right. Agreed. That's like not something you want to look forward to. But at the same time, you realize if you like don't do it, you know, stuff hits the fan. Yeah. Then you can't, you end up 
kind of pigeonholing yourself and you hit a wall and it's you kind of get into this cycle where you're not really making any progress because you're just always trying to trying to fix something mm. um, so it's always it's always better to kind of try to stay ahead of things rather than letting things come to you and then having to deal with it so kind of taking the more of a preventative um, approach rather than a reactive approach was what uh i mean because that's it's seen like it's sort of interesting sort of like hearing you talk about running and then and then lifting but it sounds like lifting has always been sort of like a pretty important part of your life even since you were like in high school uh so was that something you were still like were you still into the weight room even when you were when you're into the long distance running yeah i was definitely still cross training there yeah um the the training was a lot different the exercises that were that i were picking were a lot different um, the qualities that I was training were beyond hypertrophy. Um, we were kind of more interested in the plyometric kind of tendon-based adaptations and more of these strength adaptations so that I could become a more efficient runner. So, yeah, I, I love lifting weights, and that's something that I've been doing since high school. So for over a decade, regardless of whatever activity I was doing, it was um, I was in the, in the weight room for sure. And then this sort of... I mean, this, this transition to, from the, from the running and then, and then like, like, did, did you know when you're like, all right, I'm going to step away from running and I'm going to get into the weight room. Were you like, like, did you know, kind of like at that time, you're like, yeah, I'm going to get into bodybuilding or was it like something that it just sort of transitioned into? Mm -hmm. So I knew in my mind, I'm going to be a bodybuilder. I would tell people that and they would just smile because I, because at the time I was 165 pounds doing the ultra marathons and I'd tell them like in three or four years, I'm going to be weighing 230. And they'd be like, yeah, that's great, Matt. And, and whatnot. And just, I've slowly just built up to where I am now. So yeah, in my mind, I was like, I want to be a bodybuilder. I'm going to devote the next five years to a decade of bodybuilding. And then maybe in my forties, I'll get back into running again. But I, I find for hypertrophy purposes, um, it's a little bit more stressful on the body. So it's, it's a, your body's a little bit more resilient in the younger years. So I'm like, I gotta, I'm in my early thirties now. So it's not like I have a whole lot of time to kind of devote to bodybuilding. So if I'm going to do it, I got to do it now. Um, got some catching up to do. I like how you said, oh yeah, it's been, it's been a, a, a like a, you said it like, as if you hasn't been making like slow progress and it's like, okay, <laughs> haven't you put on like 70 pounds and like, <laughs> and like, what less than two years or something or has it been two years or it's i don't know the exact number but it's been over 50 pounds definitely um and there's a lot there's a lot of nuance behind that and what's muscle what's fat what's water what's glycogen but sure definitely body composition size has changed considerably in the last three years and i'm like i'm making a switch yeah um, and i think the biggest part was that part of being able to do that was just the consistency that I had. I didn't take, I don't, didn't ever took breaks. Mm. Obviously there was, the training was cyclic. You have to cycle your training volumes in order to, to progress, but it was never, I never kind of let the, the foot off the gas. Yeah. Dude, that's, yeah, that's, I mean that, that, yeah. 
I'm just sort of, sort of sort of getting over like putting on put it like I think of like if I were to picture myself being like 50 pounds like heavier and like uh even a couple of years from now I'm like wow that's that's like a whole different body when you like you do it in a in a purposeful way you know following and I know I know you're following like a lot of science but then also you know the sort of art of other people's uh uh expertise uh of course that that was a mine my mine was just to help with part of the the recovery period to keep you going um but yeah i'm curious like, mm -hmm. so w when when you when you go to like look in the mirror and stuff now are you like dude this is awesome <laughs> <laughs> or are you like yeah I'm, I'm a small dude yeah i definitely have some bigorexia for sure i still look at myself i'm like you are small yeah 100 percent um but the thing is it's weird because i'll be at the gym working out and just someone random i've never spoken to before will come up to me and be like you're jacked or you're huge <laughs> i'll get compliments all the time but there's random people i don't even know like even at costco i'm shopping and someone's like do you work out and like <laughs> but I, if i look at myself in the mirror i look small so <clears throat> but that thing is that's very common among bodybuilders the big anorexia. yeah so do you work out i remember at one point i was in college and i was like had, i had to i was not doing a good job recovering i was like playing basketball in the evenings and lifting for like an hour and a half two hours like before i went to like my pt clinic internship and i was having chest pain which i i'm pretty sure i realized now was my my actual rib cage <laughs> and uh but i went to the hospital yeah. and I put, like, <laughs> akgs on and everything and they were like and I remember I sit laying there with, with my shirt off and, and apparently my resting heart rate that day was like 56 or something in that moment mm -hmm. they measured it. And the nurse was like, do you work out? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, apparently not enough. I'm putting in three hours a day. Like, <laughs> Well, they're, they're used to seeing heart rates of 80, 90, 100. 110 resting and they saw that 56 or 57 they're like yeah. wow this guy's fit i'm like oh, I don't know. I mean, that's why that's what i would think i mean yeah that's that's yeah, what that's i was thinking i was like i feel i'm pretty good shape and then sitting there on the hospital bed with my shirt off and asked me if i work out i was like apparently not enough <laughs> uh dude that's that that's awesome that's cool it's it is. It's just, it's just super cool to see someone like transform their body like that. And to like put my, the, the idea of being, I mean, so at the weight you're at now, that would be, yeah, yeah. Like that would be adding another 40 pounds onto myself. Like mm -hmm. that would be, that'd be like a totally different person. Yeah. When you like, cause over, over COVID, I didn't see a lot of people. Yeah. And then two years later they saw me and they're like, what happened to you? You just, you look completely different. Sorry. Oh, it's my beard. I let it grow out this time. Beard, exactly. <laughs> the haircut. Uh, Matt. So, in terms of any current clients that you have that are going through a journey of fitness or or recovering from something, mm -hmm. or any potential clients that you may have, is there anything that? you wish they knew right now to either help themselves meet their goals faster or to help them sort of like not suffer as much. Mm -hmm. 
It's a great question. Uh, I gave you I no I'll, prep time. I gave everyone else prep and I did not <laughs> let you know I was going to ask this question. It's just a lot of people go into, so what's, I'm going to refer to kind of, we'll talk about the, the general population person coming in that wants to become healthier, um, just fitter, have more energy, those sorts of things. A lot of the, we talked about this before already, but like the message that they, that, that they get is that they need to do all these, these extravagant um things in order to reach their goals like for instance they need to do meal timing they need to get their protein shaken after the workout they need to take 10 different supplements they need to work out five days a week they need to do spin they need to do yoga they need to do mobility drills whereas in fact with a lot of people it's you can make a lot of progress simply from actually this is what i recommend to people is let's get really good at the basics and the basics for me are strength training two times per week, progressing on those exercises that we're performing mm -hmm. and making sure that we're getting in at least, well, obviously not, doesn't have to start at this, but the goal of reaching 10,000 steps per day. Um, those are kind of like the two big pillars that I have for people. And that's going to make a tremendous difference in how they feel and how they move their body composition. Um, so biggest message message for people is make sure that you're you're going for these low-hanging fruit items first before reaching for those more niche um more more difficult to implement and to act on kind of behaviors that a lot of people are, are saying that you need to do yeah dude that's absolutely going to be in a clip i'm going to put on <laughs> social media <laughs> concise probably, probably really wordy but I mean, there, there, there's, there's people that, that I've been hearing that have been really, really frustrated with their lack, their lack of, they, cause they think that they're doing well with the gains that they're making as they make these, this new sort of fitness journey. And then they get frustrated, um, that they're like, oh, I'm, apparently I'm not even doing 90% of the things that I should be doing. Apparently I'm supposed to be doing all this other stuff. And then they sort of get like overwhelmed and 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 literally i saw this this guy on tiktok that does these interesting things that we've been, you know talking back and forth and and he literally made a post he's like i'm feeling depressed today because he's like i've been working out for the last seven eight months and you know and he's like i'm feeling good about how i feel and look and you mm -hmm. know and and but then it turned but then i went to go see what i had to do to get to make my physique look different and apparently i have to do these other I have to do supplements. I got to be doing yoga. Oh, I'm not even supposed to be lifting until I lose weight. And it's like, wait, not only that, but he like took, he took like pictures of him with a shirt off. I'm like, bro, like what more is there to like lose? Like if you lose anything else, you want any energy to lift anything? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's true. You know? Yeah. That's an important piece to talk about. Just having like also having realistic expectations of what you're going to look like in a year's time in two years time in three months time just so that when you kind of get to that point, you can have an idea of like, is the progress you're making? No, that was, that was awesome advice. Like that's, that that, I, I really thought that was awesome advice. Like, I think kind of it, not only that, but the, the advice for people to hear in terms of the basics of lifting twice a week, and then just like getting 10,000 steps coming out of your mouth is 
Like I, I think that's the really powerful part about it is, is, is coming out of your mouth and being like, yo, this is where you start. Go from here. You and start, and it's not, it's not easy either. I've been working with people for many years, multiple years, and I, I'm, I'm still trying to get them to be that consistent twice per week. Let's hit those steps. So it's, if you can do that, though, your life will change. Yeah, dude, that's, I can't wait to share that. That's going to be awesome. So let's say in terms of, um, in terms of the, the, I, I actually, I'm like really curious because I have zero ideas what you're going to say. Like, what about in terms of the people that are, do have hypertrophy or, or potentially like bodybuilding goals? What is it? What is it that you sort of wish that that they knew? Like, I am curious where you start them, and then, but what is it that you do you wish that they knew that they often come in with, and and that sort of gets in their way? It's a good question. There's lots of different things I could touch on, but I think I was thinking about writing a post on this for Instagram. So back when I started lifting, there wasn't social media. Um, we didn't. We had a, we had our little flip phones and stuff. Like we had a little cameras but we would never record anything we would never put anything on youtube we just we lifted because we loved it uh, like, I, like i said before uh, all i thought of was when am i going to lift next yep what uh, what's the next program i'm going to do what's how am i going to change my nutrition to, to see more progress etc it was just always on the back of my mind whereas now i think a lot of people are getting into lifting because they of what they see on instagram and they might their intentions might not be that they their intentions might not, might not be the greatest. So I say for people getting into bodybuilding or people who really want to take this seriously, make sure that you love it because if you don't love it, you're going to hate it. You're going to hate your life. It's not worth it. And um, I'm being serious. In order to compete with, you need to, you're going to be, you'll be competing against people that's, they just breathe exercise. That's all they think about. Um, obviously there's people that are successful that, that don't, but the kind of the, the people of the middle of the road genetics, they need to put everything into it to, to, to uh, compete at a, to do, to have a significant outcome. Have you, have you done, um, cause I know you just started with this. Have you like, do you already have clients uh, that have hypertrophy uh, based goals that like want to get into bodybuilding? Uh, to be honest, no, I don't. Yeah. Um, because I just like recently kind of started. I know you the, like just started it. Um, yeah, it's to be honest, it's very niche. Like bodybuilding is not a, a big, a big, a big sport. And then a lot of people they they're more they reach towards coaches that are working with high level athletes, the genetically blessed. Um, so a lot of these really high end coaches, um, they're working with the pro, the professionals. They have these rosters of clients. 300, 400, 500 people. And a lot of them are not getting the attention that they deserve. They're not getting the results because they're, they're having the, their clients do the exact same programs as their genetically gifted individuals. Well, they really, um, they'll give the same program that have like, that they have like cookie, elite cookie athletes cutter. doing. Yeah. Cookie cutter. It's just, if you have four, if you have 400 or 500 people, it's, you don't have time to make an individual individualized program for them. Um, so can you, just, to, I mean, cause so, so there's, so, so there's people who like their, their business model is 
have probably like a subscription based thing and they'll like just and so people will just like buy is is, is that sort of how it works like you don't well, have to throw anyone under the bus or anything i just oh well, definitely not and that's not the point of this yeah it's um some like a lot of coaches they'll just do like on a month-to-month basis or if yeah. someone's getting ready for a contest they'll they'll sell like a 16-week package pay me x amount of dollars and i'll be your coach for 16 weeks yeah um, but yeah most of it's just like on a month-to-month basis you'll send your, your weekly check-in and it'll give you feedback kind of thing they'll, they'll make changes to your, your training or nutrition or or whatever else that you're involved in so i see what you're saying yeah that would be i mean i'm essentially just changing up my uh my online business model starting next month uh where i was doing like a giving an option for like hey let's do you know one session and then i was like well i do have one where i can you know follow up with you sort of you know via email or text or something that way to sort of check in and but i'm realizing a lot of the clientele i'm getting online are more general public um and not and not the like already movement professionals so I realize I have to show up a lot more for them, mm-hmm. which yeah. is, which is fine. I'm just like, Ooh, I gotta, I know it's probably going to sound bad. I'm like, I, I'm like, I've got to increase my prices and probably even lower the amount of people I'm going to be able to take just cause like, I've got to show up for them to get, to get help, get them the results they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to like working with someone like you, it's like, you, you're not familiar. You're, you're not unfamiliar with movement. And you're okay with exper- exploring and experimenting with movement. So it's like, hey, try this. And if that doesn't work, then do this. And you're like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, but if someone's like never been introduced to most of this, then it's like, whoa, I got to show up. We got to have like a conversation every week like this. To, like, yeah, actually, next well, thing. do a Zoom call. It's like you can only communicate so much over email. Right. Um, yeah, it's, I think a lot of people, that's great advice from you is like, don't always necessarily go for the cheapest coach um, you kind of pay for what you get ultimately and um, I think you'll appreciate paying a little bit more if you get a lot you get a lot more faster response times you get kind of like Cam said you get the more kind of one-on-one communication you get more support that will that will help you over the long term and it's gonna you need those the fundamentals before you can kind of branch out on your own like I just didn't think if I was going to, if like, if I was going to be, you know, one of your, one of your hypertrophy clients, like I would, which I mean, who knows why wouldn't I have in the future? I don't know. Why not? Uh, I mean, cur- currently that's not where I, it's not currently where I'm at, but I'm not saying that I won't be. Um, but it, yeah, it would just be like the, the idea of, of trying to, of, of being like, man, this is really, really tough to get this time in and to like not have that support, you know, within 24 hours of, you know, whether it's like, well, this diet thing, isn't it working or this, you know, this, whatever reason, this exercise doesn't feel right. Or I'm just like, I'm not recovering. You know, like I feel that as it is already. I mean, like, well, I'm like, well, I, I didn't sleep a lot last night. I definitely didn't eat enough, but like, honestly, like if, if I was going to get, if I was going to put on mass as quickly as possible and the least amount of pain. Yeah. I don't see why, like I, that's, uh, I, you know, you as an individual where you don't, where you're going to start having more clients and keep them, you know, and be able to check in with them like this more often. That sounds like uh, no, I, um, the only way to get into with it. You, I don't want to have, a, yeah, I don't want to have a massive client base. I was hoping for 
working up towards getting up towards 20 people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a reasonable number. It's something I can manage because I, at the same time, I don't like being on, in my computer all day, every day. So I like to be on my feet. I'm training in person, those sorts of things, yeah. creating content. So yeah, dude, you're coming up with great content. Great yeah. stuff. <laughs> all time. Yeah, I get, get my, my 15 likes, you know, we'll take it. But that's part of it is that's what happens when you first start and it slowly grows. So yeah, gotta, I mean, like I'll, I'll create a reel or something that gets in front of like 6,000 people and it gets like, you know, well over 100 likes, but it's like didn't get a single new follower from it. So it's like, eh. you know, there's like not one person that raised their hand and be like, oh, I want more you know yeah. so I, I i don't so you know like 19 likes is 19 people that i mean one of them is probably me so you know why geez why not man <laughs> yeah i like your gaming your gaming content it's it's different i wasn't expecting you to be targeting the gaming industry but it's it's very novel and it's something you don't see ever really talked about and obviously gaming now is like very financially lucrative am i right yeah i so i had actually i it's just something that i had seen that it's something that had bothered me uh when i would see like blogs or articles or or even you know being written and they're talking about like how about like how professional gamers and this is like from in years past like how they were training and i was like that doesn't make any sense. Like no human operates at a high level doing a single thing for 12 to 16 hours a day, you know, especially like sitting in a, in a chair in that case, just given the constraints of the activity. And then we started seeing, uh, actually it was, um, Trevor Noah had on like one of the like top 10 ranked, like grant grand chess masters. And this dude, this dude, look, this dude was built was built like like a competitive sort of power lifter just a big boy mm-hmm. and then they got into that conversation he goes oh yeah like all like all of us like we're all we're all like this like men, men and women players are like yo like if you don't put like the amount of stress your body's under when you're sitting and thinking playing chess is that those matches go long you that's the only thing you can do to replicate the stress that's required to sit and play this match mm-hmm. and i was it's like funny. like in chess, there's a lot of performance enhancing drugs that no one talks about either. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's funny to think about. It, it is. And it's just so uh, I, I got curious in the gaming thing. So I went to go watch and talk to our, our, my local small college uh, got an esports program. So I went and watched some of their practices. And I was like, I'm like, well, okay. You know, I was just watching in practice and I was like, man, they, I don't know. Maybe, maybe this isn't really maybe this isn't where I can really fit in. And I watched, well, I watched their practice and I watched a match and I was like, you could feel the energy in the room. It was like just as tense if it was like a playoff game coming up, like for any sport. And mm-hmm. I'm like, and they fell behind. It was a rocket league game. And the, the guys are the, uh, the, well, it was, it was mixed. That's one of the cool things about gaming too, is like men and women get to compete against each other on the same level, which I think is pretty cool actually. Oh. Um, men, women, and, and, and anywhere else in between, um and they uh but yeah as i was watching they're they're coming they made a comeback to like tie up the match and they just like they they just they got quiet because they were talking like like really really fast like they have to talk very quickly um Mm -hmm. and 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 all of a sudden they just got quiet 
I'm like, they had just come back, right? They're like, yeah, we did it. And all of a sudden they just went, Ugh. yeah, they crashed. Yeah. And I start, so I start talking to the coordinator. I was like, yo, how often does this like happen? He's like, depends on the match and depends on some of our teams. Like they just get gassed. Mm-hmm. And like literally the other, the students, the other players will, will, they'll be, you know, standing in, in the lab watching them and they'll literally go, what, what's hap- What's happening? What? Stop <laughs> talking. Right. Cause they're not trying to distract them. And the coordinator will be like, they're tired. <laughs> right. It's so it's like, yeah. so it's so awesome. I was like, no, this is like a, and then when you start reading some of the research and like, like the statistics are like the, the, yeah, the, that the average retirement age is, I know I keep saying this all the time is, is 25 and it's mm-hmm. like, and like there's some physician that went in the wall street journal too and they were like oh they lose reflex time i'm like bs like tell me like like uh big poppy david ortiz for like he only stopped playing because his hip was killing him and uh he was in his 40s and you got like um floyd mayweather in his 40s and mm-hmm. you got like uh and then you still got um the australian and, and french french open tennis uh, you know players those guys are like their late 30 like People in any other thing in their 20s, their mid-20s is like when they're at their prime. And you're saying that their reflexes get slower. It's like that doesn't that doesn't even follow with an observation. Even even UFC fighters, MMA fighters, they're peaking 31, 32. Right. I think the training must be just so behind the physical training, mental training, that they're well, just crashing be fine. Well, they're, yeah, it's a mix of burnout because they were training at such high levels, but like at the professional ranks now, at least when I've heard podcasts and listen to other researchers that work with professional teams, they're not doing that anymore. They play, they're still playing the game at a high level, like eight hours a day, but they're now have, they now, it's not like, oh, I'm just going to go compete for eight hours. They're like, I'm going to work on this part of my game, just like you would basketball or baseball. You know, I'm going to go it's work amazing. on I'm going to go, they're going to break down the skill, you know? So, but like at the moment, like people, the, the, the culture, just like it is with training is like, you know, I, you just got to grind, you got to play 12 hours a day. And it's like, no, that makes you worse. Like, and not only that, but a lot of the injuries that have been coming up are like, um, carpal tunnel, neck headaches. Um, people get their eyes from not looking out at anything. They get such, uh, near, nearsightedness. That yeah. starts to be a struggle to do almost anything else. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so sorry I got into the gaming content. This wasn't really about me, but um, it's very interesting to learn about that, that that side of things. And but but the money part of it is 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 it's going to get it should get crazy. Like it should at the moment they like you make more streaming than you do paying playing for a professional team at this point which just doesn't make any sense to me it's like you know you should be paying paying these players you know if if these if these companies and these teams are making millions like why are why are the players making 50 grand a year you know unless they win the tournament money talks unfortunately right so people are spending more money on the streams than they are there's they're putting more seats sort more butts in the seats on the stream than they are probably with the professional leagues i'm assuming 
Well, it's so at the moment, what they do is they'll have the way and turn and anyone listening to this can absolutely, you know, reach out to me and, and inform me otherwise. But what it seems like is so like, let's say if you're, let's say if you go and do a tournament, you basically don't like, and let's say the prize money is $800,000 or something. And that's split mm-hmm. between five people and the team will probably take a cut of that money as well. Um, even though they get a lot of the sponsorship and endorsement monies all, already that comes into just being at the tournament. Um, so, so say they split that and everyone else that like was in the tournament, like they made the qualification, but they like didn't win, like gets nothing. Which just like, if you look at models, like, um, like the PGA and, L- and LPGA tours, like if you make the cut, like for that weekend, you at least at the very least made like, you know, 20 grand. Cover your expenses, hopefully at least. I mean, yeah, definitely like you hit that, but it's like if you go, like you you stepped away so you weren't streaming because you're playing in the tournament and like you it just it just doesn't make any sense that it's as big as it is. And you're they're looking at just under like so there's like 400 million like regular viewers and then like 300 million like recreational viewers of like streaming of like competitive sports not even necessarily streaming so like you're talking just like about little you're talking about almost 800 million people that could be like watching that which is like like you're getting into numbers like you're getting to nfl numbers you're getting you know or 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 even above that Mm -hmm. right so it's kind of like how are like like how, how is this so, so, so I know there's a lot of research going into sustainability and the economics and health aspects of the players. Um, yeah. But, I, but I, I feel like where I'm trying to fill in at the moment is, is the, the, the training that is being demonstrated is, is mostly is people just, again, that's why I wanted to have you on here as well as like, it's a lot of, it's, it's a lot of people just like doing bodybuilding type workouts. Um which which has has physical consequences, uh, which aren't necessarily bad, but for gaming, like it'll it starts to move things up and out, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which makes it difficult for you to get your hands and wrist to the keyboard in front of you without just squeezing your carpal tunnel or your elbow more. Yeah, so they're already in positions that promote a similar adaptation to hypertrophy training. So you might want to consider doing other types of exercises or other types of training. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, so it's like using the principles that we're already, so it's like somebody that's going to work with basketball players, like, it's like, well, okay, what's their body type? What, how, what is their skill set? What are they not good at? So what do they need to be able to do in the weight room to help facilitate what they're already good at and then help improve what they're not good at. Mm -hmm. But in this case, it's like, if there, there's already a health detriment to sitting for long periods of time, uh so we definitely need to have people moving but if they really really want to game at a high level then and that's something that is their number one priority and that's what they think about all the time then mm-hmm. their their training and, and and their recovery need to match that it needs it needs to they need to not have interference so if the if the weight room workouts are going to interfere with them mm-hmm. you know being able to be in their position that they game in uh because at the moment, I think that's what's happening. It's a part of the reason. And and I think that's why we just see so many injuries that at the moment, like no one really knows what to do at other than tell them to stop gaming. 
which is like not helpful. No, not helpful at all. No, no. But that's that's my two cents on that thing. Well, they're very fortunate to have you in their field. So oh I appreciate it. That's really, really kind of you. So we'll, you know, there's definitely a lot of data for me to to collect at this point. Um because you know, I, I don't have like another mentor that's like in the industry to be like, hey, you know, what's working and what's what's not working. Just taking yeah, bills. Yeah, just taking like bills, principles, you know, and, and applying them to, you know, to this aspect of of, of performance yeah. and see where it goes, you know. Uh, Matt, anything else you want to add? Mm, no, I feel like we covered a lot today. Yeah. And like I said prior, it's just... Make sure that you're you're st mastering the fundamentals before kind of progressing to kind of some more the some of the more complex behaviors and habits. I like that complex try behaviors. That, and habits. Try to find something that you love, yeah. that you enjoy, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, dude. Uh, that that's a message I'm very excited to to share. It's gonna make it's you know whether whether it gets likes or shares or anything, I don't care. I put it out there. You said it. I share it with you. You can put it out there. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. I just, I think, I think coming from you that, that, that means a lot for someone that's put as much work in as you have, uh, and has, has done these two dress, seemingly drastic different things, uh, with their body and pushing it to the limits, uh, and realizing, hey, like, there's a basic thing to master first. And if you, and there's nothing wrong if you, if you do have more competitive base goals it's just you need to make sure that you're getting in those those basics first and then doing them consistently before kind of progressing and and, and actually even before we go the steps thing i think i think is huge because i've been minimizing that myself and then now that i've been spending more time at the computer right doing this business aspect of things it's been realizing the the less that i walk the worse everything not only feels the worse the workouts are, the worse I sleep. It's like it's like how powerful walking is. It is, yeah, it's wild. So I'm 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 glad you said that. In fact, I'm gonna go get another walk in after this before I go sit down and do some more stuff. Me too, actually. Yeah, it's just like people will come to me with all these issues, shoulder issues, low back issues, hip issues, knee issues. Yeah. Then like first thing I usually ask is like, how many steps are we getting in? They're like two thousand. Let's get you walking a little bit more and usually things alleviate themselves no fancy interventions yeah it's like it's amazing where do you walk in alberta <laughs> I walk in like during the winter <laughs> i i'm hardcore <laughs> I, uh, do you just go outside and let the eyeballs freeze a little bit yeah i do i have i'll, I'll, I'll just dress i dress for success um toques if i have to wear the the balaclava or whatever mitts and I tell people like, you gotta to enjoy the warm weather. You need to suffer through some of these the colder weather, and you need to be consistent regardless of of weather. You gotta walk. Yeah, yeah, right, dude. That's that <laughs> is commitment right there. If you can get out all year round and get ten thousand steps outside in where you live, I have no excuse. <laughs> <laughs> and like people too, they're older and they have issues of the potential for slipping and all that jazz like you can go to your your mall or most gyms have tracks so there's always, always alternatives as well you don't have to be 
you don't have to be stubborn like me either. <laughs> That's awesome. Dude, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed this. I learned a ton today. I uh, hope listeners uh, had enjoyed it as, as much as I had recording it. Um, but if you have any questions for Matt, check out the show notes or reach out to me. And uh, Matt, I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks, Cam. Really appreciate it. It was nice chatting with you.